Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from downtown Raleigh today, day two of All Things Open, the uh, open source conference. Uh, about 2,500 people here today. Uh, got a co-host today, Josh Atwell. Welcome to the show. Thank Glad you. to help me out. Um, yesterday was your birthday, so happy birthday. Thank uh, you with again. That. And uh, so today we're going we're gonna to get a little bit off topic uh, from, a, from a cloud computing perspective, but something that we covered, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago that, that you guys all seem to like. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about 3D printing again. And uh, excited to have uh, Harris Kenny, uh, VP of Marketing from Lulzbot. Um, you guys are open source hardware 3D makers. What? G- g- first off, give us a little bit about your background, and then tell us about Lulzbot. Sure. Thanks for having me. So my background is in actually management and ERP consulting, so okay. not hardware. Um, but philosophically, I was excited about the open source hardware vision of the company. So that was how I ended up. Uh, ended up at Life Objects and the company itself. So basically, it runs on free software and open source hardware, and our products are totally open source hardware. We've got, you know, from the the software that you use down to the hardware, the bill of materials. You can flash the firmware. Um, the whole, basically, the whole stack respects user freedom. Okay, and you guys are essentially the the biggest maker of desktop 3D printing devices and and the whole ecosystem around that. We're growing. I'm not sure the biggest by market share, but we're definitely growing a lot. Over the last three years, our market share has gone up a lot. Yep. Um, we've got 140 employees now. Okay. We run production seven days a week, and we've got, yeah, I mean, we're definitely staying busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys, are a, you guys are a U.S. manufacturing sort of powerhouse or growing thing, which is very cool. Um, give us a few of the basic things. So, like, if anybody says, I mean, Josh and I live in the open source software world, right? We get that. Software is eating the world. What, is, what does open source hardware mean? Like for somebody who doesn't understand what that means. Well, the idea behind open source hardware, what is really compelling about it is that the idea, like you really own the things that you have purchased. And so when it comes to a 3D printer where it's got a motherboard, you can flash the firmware, you can control the machine, um, which is exciting. But a lot of the the source materials are different for hardware. It's going to be a bill of materials that's going to be an itemized or bomb, BOM, itemized bomb with suppliers, with prices, uh, part numbers, things like that. Um, there's, of course, making it mm-hmm. and the assembly instructions. We release those. If you go to OHI, O-H-A-I.lulzbot.com, you mm-hmm. can see the pictorial assembly instructions for how to actually, how we make the printers. It's the same exact right. instructions our folks use. So there's like how you make it and what it's made of and then how you use it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so and, and, and for those of us that, that deal with, like x86 computers that seems sort of that but but your world that that's never been the case i mean manufacturing was very proprietary complex systems i'm guessing definitely and i think you know if you go back decades when you, when you got a you know, bought a dishwasher and you got a manual it would explain a lot of things there was a, a little bit of a i think some philosoph- philosophical like alignment with the way some hardware used to be made but it's over over the years OEM original equipment manufacturers have shared less and less and more of it has become abstracted through software and you know so so you lose insight into how the things that you buy work gotcha yeah yeah, so so with this product, then is it is it that you know I, I buy it and it shows up as a kit and I put it together with my kids and and then you know the, following the instructions and then we go or is it 
you know, I can also go out and just like I could build some of the pieces out of mahogany if I wanted to, based on the spec that you have for the frame and all, and then buy certain components. I mean, I, I, it sounds like I have that kind of freedom. I mean, is that is that part of what y'all were talking about? That's a that's a really good question and a really important distinction, actually. So we don't sell kits; we sell fully assembled printers. You can buy. Okay, them. good because that's yeah. what I need to buy. <laughs> yeah, and most people are like that. I'm like that, by the way. Right. Uh, you know, I have not built a printer from scratch myself. Um, but you buy them on Amazon. Take it out of the box, plug it in, download the software, and start printing. But there are people that have used that source to make their own. We had a customer okay. who like machined one, and it was like an all-metal printer. It was beautiful. Um, he uh, had a lot of CNC background, and that was his thing. Right. Um, so he did make his own, and folks do make their own. But it's more of, you know, like Linux, you benefit from the people before you without having to be a kernel compiler. So if you're or like or a kernel developer. So if you're running Fedora at home, you benefit from that, but... You're just using Fedora. Right. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the uh, the old Linksys WRT54G routers. I think everybody listening to this podcast probably has one in a closet somewhere and has flashed that firmware and, and kind of turned it into their own. I know uh, I've probably broken it more times than I've plugged it in at this point. Um, but but in this case, you know, you also have the opportunity to like rip the guts out and, and, and swap those components, right? Yeah, exactly. One of the neat hacks that people do is they'll take these maker electronics like a beagle bone black or a raspberry pi yeah. and they'll hook it up and they'll um set up uh, a web server with a software called octoprint and then basically they've got wi-fi based printing um so there there are some neat electronics hacking that folks do um we had a nasa a customer at nasa that hacked the firmware to uh, remove the like upper temperature limits and so they were printing above 300 degrees celsius and doing some really experimental crazy stuff and we're like wow like how hot did you go again uh and this is like they're professionals you know don't don't print at 500 degrees at right. home but uh so yeah people take advantage of that for sure yeah so we, we were talking to you beforehand you know most of us have been to somewhere where somebody's printing 3d stuff um, typically there's a big spool of the colored plastic and that's, you, you tend to think like, Oh, okay, that's the material we use. And you, you were telling us like that, what, what, what you can build with these days is exploded. Like give us some examples of some of the stuff, especially like some of the chemical stuff and all that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are dozens of actually on our machine, we support over 30 different materials. So there's lots of choices in terms of what you print with and a few examples that, have come to market over the last couple of years actually came from other industries that were then brought to desktop 3d printing. Um, so there's a, a urethane, a rubber like material called mm-hmm. NinjaFlex um, that was developed by a company called Fenner drives. And then they basically brought it to the 3d printing market. Um, and Eastman chemical company, same story. They work with copolyesters and they, so if you, if you have BPA free water bottles, you've used copolyester. Um, it's like the thick, translucent transparent plastic right and um and so you've got all this like expertise and knowledge and material science from other industries being leveraged into 3d printing and so it's hard to predict kind of what's next because you don't know who that next big player that's sort of like dormant sitting latent with all this information is going to decide that they want to play in the 3d printing industry and because it's open standards um the open source couple thousand dollar desktop 3d printers are on the bleeding edge versus machines that cost like orders of magnitude more money but have a really proprietary system and chips and reading and testing and you can't you don't really own those printers so for 1250 
you know, for 1,250 bucks, you can literally be on the absolute, like the leading edge of the industry, which is, I think, counterintuitive for people. Right. That's very cool. So, I mean, that, that also begs the question, like, you know, organic stuff like uh, chocolate or, you know, food, like, is, are, are we starting to see that now as well? Or, and do you guys support that yet? <laughs> you can't print. Well, actually, yeah. Okay. So, uh, indirectly, we've got a customer in Australia who, so speaking of like organic printing, uh, the project is called future here and they're using our machines, Lulzbot printers to, um, Basically, first they scan an ear. So these are ear prosthetics for mm-hmm. kids. Um, or they're serving children. It could be for anybody. But scan the ear, uh, refine the model, print it, and then use that printed plastic to make a silicon mold. Okay. And then they can then get basically a prosthetic-grade silicon. Yeah. Um, so like indirectly you know you're not literally printing flesh but in a sense you have even more control in this process and and because of the price point it's accessible and there's i mean there's on the high end there are people companies doing some really kind of crazy things printing with like tissue scaffolding and food Um, but even at the desktop market you're seeing innovation and the lower price uh, begets like resourcefulness yeah so give us give us the basics of of the economics so you you know you said like your kind of core platform is about 1200 bucks 1250 um Yesterday, Mark Hinkle, who did one of the keynotes, was talking about uh, one of your, I think, customers, or at least one of your people in the community had built a you know, prototype for a prosthetic hand. Mm-hmm. And I think Mark said, like, what would have been 60000 or $600,000 in the hospital was like $5,000. And so give us a sense, like, um, what did an old-timey manufacturing, the thing that would make it used to cost? So, like, what does that economics look like? And then the output economics look like? Give us some sense of, you know, how many orders of magnitude are we talking about or where are the big kind of break points? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. And that idea of, I mean, that's really, I think, where the disruption is coming mm-hmm. of like, how do you compare 3D printing to the other ways of making things? Right. And like, why is this interesting? Yep. You know, because like, whatever, it's a robot that melts. Well, I mean, there's stuff. obviously there's the powerfulness of like anybody can do it, right? Yeah. You don't have to own your own, you know, plant anymore. But <laughs> but what what do the dollars and cents look like? Yeah, totally. So that uh, customer, a user of ours, Easton LaChapelle, he's actually from Colorado okay. and, uh, and uh, that Mark talked about in his talk. And yeah, so he, he's doing, um, prosthetic arms and, and really, really neat work. And there's a couple other projects doing cool prosthetic applications, you know, basically injection molding would historically be, and for a lot of companies, that's when they get big enough, that's when they want to make tens of thousands of a thing, a widget, um, that's what they have made. And injection molds can take weeks to months. They can cost tens of thousands to even more, uh, of dollar us dollars, um, and it's just the time. Time yeah. to market is slow. Um, and so where printing, 3D printing is really disruptive is in um, underserved markets because they're small. Mm-hmm. In other words, they're not big enough for a company to justify the expense of like getting tooling done and getting, because you, you know, it's just as expensive to make 10,000 as it is to make 10, okay. which benefits the people that need 10 of something right, 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 uh, right. more than anything else. Um, so that's one, one side of it. And then the other side of it is that the printers themselves are getting more reliable, so they actually are being used. We've printed over a million parts. So you, you you're three D printing the printers that you're print that you're then selling. So that exactly sort of inception going on. Yeah, right? exactly. Printers printing printers, and uh, when they run this cluster of 150 machines, runs 24 hmm. seven, and we've got using old machines. We also test new things. It's like an R and D yeah. process where we can try a new material or try a new print surface. 
Um, so there's lots of benefits that come from that. So yeah, it even benefits like medium sized businesses. It's not even just for small things. Like, I mean, we, we, um, we have 140 employees and we run production seven days a week. Like we're making a lot of printers yeah. right. and they're being supplied by us in and part, it, in part. And it sounds like there's a whole slew of other businesses that are being spawned off of being able to leverage this platform. Um, I, how does the open nature of the platform, how is that helping helping them i mean are they now contributing to firmware revisions and they're contributing to to new code and new models you know how how, how is that you know that relationship kind of happen because it is open right yeah the biggest i think the biggest contribution that entrepreneurs i mean there's, there's tons of these companies that you could think of um, one is open bci they're in brooklyn they do a brain computer interface almost entirely printed device um, it's a fraction of the cost of these types of devices in the past. And it measures EEG, EKG, and EMG. Um, so it's like a brain lengths, uh, brain wavelengths, heart rate, and muscles. It's like a really powerful device. And what they do, their contribution back really, I think, is inspiring people. Mm. I mean, they haven't made commits to our firmware. They haven't changed our, our software. But they show people like, hey, this is how like radical of a product you can make with 3d printing. And I think that like those lighthouse examples where people look to them and be like, Oh my gosh, that's cool. Um, so this, this is materials plus integrated circuitry and the, and the electronics and everything kind of combined. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's neuroscience. Much, yeah. That's much more interesting than the cookie cutters and Lego figures <laughs> that I, I, I want to make. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with you know, the, those, those simple applications. I think of cookie cutters are fun because they're accessible for yeah. folks. And we have other customers who have unique use cases. There's a company called Protosthetics in North Dakota and they're doing um, in particular leg prosthetics or prostheses and uh, people's legs actually freezing off living in North Dakota (laughs) the whole industry built around that yeah and they're hacking the hardware they're making the printers bigger so mm. they're physically hacking the machine printers (laughs) exactly so they're they're making them like you know 3x exactly exactly so they're like physically hacking but when you're physically hacking there's um like there's software changes that need to happen with that and so other people see that and they can make feedback um so that's helpful and and then just the customers that are heavy heavy users that give us feedback i mean we are tech support because our company is open and our erp system all of our modeling software everything is open even just sending an email to our tech support people and saying hey this part you know isn't working that is circulating across the company, and if it, if we recognize a problem, we solve it. We change the file in the print farm in the cluster. We get new parts down in production, and then the next customer that buys a printer that next day, just because of that email, mm-hmm. has a better product because of it. So even those contributions are really meaningful. Right. Yeah. Well, and your ability to to adjust as as those things. Yeah. I mean, it, it also sounds like you have an opportunity now to do customization, where if people wanted a custom spec on certain parts, well, I mean, I guess they could print their own. Actually, you don't even need to talk to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't even need to talk to us, and that would be that would be what we recommend is, and, and that's what people do. I mean, we see things in the field. It's like, wait, what? And those those ideas have gone from our forum into products. Um, we've got, I mean, our print surface, and there's so many things that came from the community. Our print surface. Our leveling sequence, those those are two hacks, for example, that customers that we got from the community and then basically commercialized. That's like what our engineers spent a lot of time doing is like testing out these ideas we see in the community to make sure they yeah, work cool. at scale. So I noticed yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, you were over at uh, 
NC State University, North Carolina State University here at their engineering organization. You know, you talked about people making prosthetics. So that's it's in the healthcare industry. It's like technology is now capable. Are, are you seeing more and more universities have things that are specialized around this and what it can mean for different than verticals? Universities and libraries are leading yeah. this conversation in a lot of communities. Yeah, and NC State is a great example. I spent the afternoon with um, folks at a makerspace there, and and then I got a chance to tour the the rest of the library and. So they they opt, that makerspace serves. They work with a bunch of different departments. They work with arts, engineering, mm-hmm. um, but art art is in particular interesting because folks come from the art school and they have totally different ideas. Yeah, design um, ideas, sure. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and, and universities are the place. It's where you go to learn. And and what's really interesting is that libraries in particular hmm. are kind of it's the historical place. It was like if you needed technology, if it was a book. Or if it was a journal, you'd go to the library. And right. now technology is yeah. obviously computers and 3D printers, and they have 270-degree immersive video and audio. I mean, the technology they had in this library is incredible. Um, so, yeah. And so they're not only doing it themselves, but they're serving the rest of the campus. They're serving the community. It's really exciting. to be. It was a very inspiring afternoon honestly well i know nc state has has a long history with with 3d printing i mean, I, I attended nc state i did aerospace engineering there and when uh, i attended like an engineering seminar uh, or like it was a whole summer of engineering and we got to be introduced to their initial you know 3d 3d printers that they had so i got to learn how to you know draft and build mm-hmm. i went to visit another college campus i won't name who they were but we walked into their room where they had one of their 3D printers. I think State had like two of them. And they're like, we're, we're one of two universities in, in the country that have these. It's us and MIT. And I'm like, wow, that's not exactly right. You know, NC State's got two of them. And they're like, that's, that's impossible. That's not true. And I'm like, okay. So I pulled out my floppy disk. I sat down at the machine. I loaded up the design that I had done here at State. And I went to start printing. And he goes, whoa, what are you doing? I was like, how could I possibly know anything about this? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and it's been interesting because, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, you, you mentioned about the libraries. You know, they're they're now you know having this, um, having an open framework makes it a little bit easier, especially for smaller uh, smaller libraries, smaller groups to do that. I, you know, I've seen uh, schools start showing it. I think my son's elementary school has a 3D printer that they use from time to time. Uh, and then you know, I know in the in the Raleigh area, there's a couple of places they're like build shops, right, where you know they have multiple different types of 3D printers. Um, I think the big thing that comes out of this is like the community. The like community's kind of gotten kind of huge around 3D printers. How I mean, how has that affected you you guys? The community is really big and it's really diverse. So our company spun out of a community project called the RepRap project and we're still involved there, but the RepRap project grew. Basically the the desktop industry as you know it today is possible because of open source yeah because sure. some folks in england about 10 years ago decided we want to make a printer that prints itself and we're going to use a free software license to share it and because of that decision basically yeah the the the, the 3d printing community exists today and it's really it's really incredible folks um and because it ties so many different things, you could be meeting with other 3D printing people and printer doesn't come up once in a 30-minute conversation. <laughs> yeah. Now, is it, is, it, is it the 3D printing community or is it the maker community? Or is, I mean, like, for anybody who's kind of looking at this and they're going to Google stuff, like, what, what, are they, what, are they, what community are they trying to find? It generally is 
in, I think makers is the, a good term because yeah. it does kind of cut across technologies okay. where it's like someone's like, oh, yeah, I, I use a printer and I sew and I use a laser cutter for projects. I mean, there mm-hmm. are those types of folks, but a lot of it is, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I've just got some interest mm-hmm. in something else. Like I love model trains. And I, I, I make my sets, then I run the trains around my basement, and then it's like, oh, I could print right. trees or houses instead of making them by hand. Right. Um, so you, I think there's, like, two sides of it. There's one of, like, people that just make, and others that folks that have some, like, bigger thing they're trying to do. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, so I'll ask you one last question just from, from a time perspective. Um, and it's, a, a you know, not trying to be political about any of this, but... You know, people people want to know we're in the political season. Like, you know, are there going to be more jobs? Are we going to see manufacturing come back? I mean, is this? Do you guys get involved with those? Are there people from your company, or is that? I mean, do 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 the people start going like, oh, maybe this is the thing? Just like people are looking at like solar energy for, you know, that part of the world. Or I mean, what, where, where does where does this sort of stand in terms of you know big topic issues like like jobs and manufacturing back in the states? I think that there's a few connections between this conversation and manufacturing overall in yeah. the U.S. and other other um, places, yeah. other you know, uh, other countries and other places. So, one, 3D printing makes it less expensive to prototype a physical product and bring it to market. Yeah. So that's going to help, and mm-hmm. it is helping. We have customers we see; we talk to them every day, and they blow our minds. I mean, what like the OpenBCI, for example. I mean, yeah. that's. Um, so it makes it easier to break things to market. That helps. Um, I think that the open source hardware side of it also helps because it basically a lot of companies historically just were all reinventing the wheel over and over again. And in open hardware, you basically take ideas from other technologies, from other platforms, and you use it and yep. you share it back. And so I think it makes manufacturers that are sharing more efficient, more productive, and therefore it changes the economies of what it means to make um, so I think those are two those are two really big 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 um, improvements, and then I think just more broadly using open source within the enterprise, right? And using like the broader open source community to make businesses run better. And I think that that's something that oh, those are all those are three kind of like economic factors that'll make it easier for people to make make things. Well, and, and you uh, talked about I mean you talked about like you guys are you guys are your own supply chain, so I mean you're you're changing that that economics and that that as well. So yeah. that that does change. A lot of things. Well, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up with that. I I need to apologize. So I'm proud of myself. I didn't call you. Uh, I didn't call you uh, Kenny Harris. You're Harris Kenny. So I was worried about that because I'm terrible with names. Uh, but I did screw up at the beginning, and I and I introduced you as being with Lulzbot. That's your product. You're with Alf Objects. That's the name of the company. So I want to get that straight. Um, thank you for coming on. Um, where can folks go find out about the stuff you guys are working on, or events where people can come find you and stuff like that? The best place is our website, lulzbot.com. Okay. So that's L-U-L-Z-B-O-T. Uh, if you go to lulzbot.com slash community mm-hmm. and you're curious on like the developer side of things and what we're doing, the communities that we're involved with, um, that's a, a great set of resources there. So I think those would be probably the best two places to start. And then, of course, we're on social media and Twitter. and Very cool. Uh, that's a good place to find us, too. Very good. Well, thank you for being on. Josh, thanks for being on. I think you may have added to your list of things you want to 3D print now that you know all the materials that are possible and uh, yeah absolutely my next thing is a uh, replica of the spacex rocket that's how they build them right that's right <laughs> fired out of your backyard well thank you very much and uh, folks we will talk to you soon thank you thank you for listening to the cloudcast please visit the cloudcast.net to find more shows show notes videos and everything social media